0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company,
1: Golden, Colorado. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time! Oh, no. Oh, yeah! I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to
0: love it. It's the best thing going today.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, long time no talk. This is episode 68 of Top Rope Nation. Uh, hopefully you guys tuned in earlier this week, just a couple days ago actually, when we put up the first edition of the uh, Patreon-exclusive Top Rope Nation's classic show, where we reviewed SummerSlam 91. We actually posted that for everyone, so you can check that out on our podcast feed and, and tune into what we're doing with our classic content, and get all the exclusive content moving forward at patreon.com slash nation. But we're here tonight with the flagship Top Rope Nation, episode 68, to talk about all the current events going on in the world of pro wrestling. I'm Ryan Drossi, joined here by Justin Joint, Kyle Ross. We're going to be breaking down all the news that's been coming at us this week, which started out kind of on a negative note, obviously, um, on Sunday, with the untimely deaths of Nikolai Volkov and uh, Jerry Lawler's son, Brian Lawler. So we're going to be getting to that here in just a few moments. I do want to say, if you enjoyed the show, take a minute to subscribe on iTunes. Check out our whole catalog at TopRopeNation.com, wherever podcasts are found, and throw us a follow on Twitter at TopRopeNation. So, guys, before we get into like TV and just some of the newsworthy events that have been happening this week with WWE and um, in just the world of wrestling in general, we got to mention. Uh, I think first off. Uh, Nikolai Volkov, who I actually I think I heard about his death second on Sunday, um, what happened with Brian, formerly known as Brian Christopher, kind of hit the waves first, but uh, Nikolai Volkov, one of the big stars in the first the WWWF in the 1970s, and then of course uh, when the WWF exploded in the 80s, a uh, massive star, uh, passed away, uh, he was what, like 70, 70 years old, I think? Yeah, 70 years old. So. Um, Kyle, your first thoughts on on Nikolai Volkov and his, his career, and what was your reaction when you heard about the two deaths over the weekend?
0: My first thought is I hope that our listeners can have no appreciation of how quickly you transition from us talking like, and prepping for the show until we actually go to the real show. <laughs> I always feel like I'm still laughing when the show starts about something.
1: And I just start right in.
0: <laughs> yeah, you just start like, whoa, okay, I guess we're going. <laughs>
1: pro um, pro right there.
0: But Nickel, Well, we also should mention there there were, you know, there were actually three with Brickhouse Brown. We should, you know, mention that, too. Yes. Um, and I know he's not, you know, um, if you're younger, you know, that name may not mean as much. But, you know, we should certainly mention that. But with Nikolai Volkov, um, I think people of, you know, I'm, I know I'm the oldest of the three here on the show, but we're all relatively the same age. I think if you started watching wrestling in the mid to late 80s, you know, Nikolai Volkov was kind of a... Um, was it a, obviously a, a very was one of the first names you knew about um, in terms of, you know, understanding what a heel is when you're a little kid? I think he was one of the easier ones to grasp. Like it was it was just a very easy, you know, he came out, he was Russian, he sang the Russian national anthem. Um, it was a big deal. Obviously, people remember it. I mean, it was covered by ESPN. I mean, that you know, it's still surreal to me to see these wrestler deaths get covered on ESPN dot com. Um, you know, he was in the cartoon. So, which always is like a thing that people note when, when they were in the Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling cartoon. Mm-hmm. And that kind of was made you a made guy from that era on um, the tag team with the Iron Sheik is something obviously everyone's going to remember. Um, it was, you know, simple and very effective. They won the tag team titles at the first WrestleMania. Um, One not the greatest wrestler of all time. You know, I know that's probably this probably isn't the time the place to say that. I didn't come off as crass, I, I don't want to be like Lance Storm with some some of his tweets. Um, when we get to Brian Lawler, you know that was kind of out of line. But uh, yeah, yeah I, I I don't know. I I don't really you
1: know. Um,
0: he was somebody, I guess, just an iconic heel from that era. Yeah,
1: yeah. not the, not the greatest technical wrestler, but
0: a great character. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. It's funny, you know, a lot of gimmicks today. Um, the attitude era more so but they were like fad gimmicks that like you know kind of had an expiration date on them if that makes sense Nikolai Volkov is you know kind of like the heel equivalent of a Jim Duggan where he could bring he could have brought that gimmick to an indie show last week and it would have worked oh yeah you know what I'm saying And like that says something about the guy
1: yeah for sure uh, Justin what do you remember from your childhood about Nikolai
2: uh, just the the heat that singing, you know, the Russian national anthem would get, um, especially that, I can't remember which WrestleMania, but one of the WrestleMania ones, uh, certainly uh, opened my eyes to it. And yeah, I, I totally agree with Kyle. It, it's pretty, uh, it's a pretty timeless gimmick. Uh, I'm just maybe concerned or curious if if it was maybe. If Vladimir Putin had anything to do with his death? Or... Oh.
1: oh, come on. No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh. yeah, We can always rely on Justin to lighten the mood for us here. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as we're talking here, I'm, I'm kind of looking up Nikolai's uh, match history. and Kind of interesting to note, he wrestled four years ago. His last match. Heroes and yeah. Legends 3 against Bobby Steele. <laughs> he also it's funny you mentioned the
0: heroes he was of course part of that infamous heroes of wrestling pay-per-view in 1999 that i think yes. everyone
1: involved would just as soon rather forget the bushwhackers um, against him and the chic uh, <gasps> iron Sheik re, uh, rekindling whew. the tag team <laughs> yeah that sounds like a seashell
0: main event from you know 1988 as well uh yeah i mean the sh- you know it's something else people forget um he came over as part of black saturday or he came back to the WWF as part of black Saturday. And that's kind of an interesting tidbit too. And um David Vixen's band shared an interesting thing from Blassie's Fred Blassie, who was the manager, obviously of the Sheik and Volkov team, uh, his biography about, you know, Nikolai who was Croatian. He was not uh, of Russian descent, um, you know, about, you know, Nikolai kind of like, well, how do I do this gimmick? You know? And, it was really interesting. I, I if if you want to go search that tweet, I don't have it in front of me. But it was a pretty cool story about you know um, initially Volkov when he was trying to find his way to the gimmick, he like brought up like something very real life, like the Americans bombing uh, some country and like how terrible it was, and people were like, Ugh. and Nikolai's like was basically like, yeah, you know people wrestling's an escape. People don't want to hear you know something that real. And while, you know, U.S.-Soviet relations are still very real, I think he was able to do it in a way that, you know, it didn't, like, touch a nerve. It was just very easy to boo, I think, at the time. Because, yeah. you know, I mean, in the 1980s, you know, you just you just booed the Russians is what it, you know, it was, it was the height of xenophobia. Yeah.
2: That's how Rocky got over. Yeah, oh, yeah.
0: exactly. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's he stuck around for a long time, man. Uh, face Nikolai Volkov, I will say, is not my favorite thing of all time. <laughs> whether it was whether it was his turn in 1990 or when he came back with the cent sign as part of the Million Dollar Corporation, people forget that. You know, he yeah. was actually the first member of Ted DiBiase's Million Dollar Corporation. And uh, also, here's a bit of trivia that you made out. remember: the the famous Bret Hart one two three kid match from Monday Night Raw ninety four. Yeah. Okay one two three kids you know how he got that title opportunity uh defeating nikolai
1: volkov a couple of weeks he, earlier i would yep assume. in a
0: number one in a number one contenders match
1: yeah june 20th 94 yep, june 20th yeah. 94 i see it now in his match history mm-hmm. yeah just it's it's crazy looking at his match history because he was relatively active there in 94 with that a run with the wwf when he came back and then then he wrestles CZW in '99, <laughs> the Heroes of Wrestling wow. show that you mentioned in '99. Um, then comes back for that gimmick Battle Royal, WrestleMania X7. Mm-hmm. Does another World Wrestling Legends show in 06. Wrestled on Raw in 2008, and uh, then the, his last match in 2014 at that Hero and Legends three um, event. So I, I really
0: like. It sounds terrible, like, and this is like. I think people need to check themselves with things like starings. Like I'm trying to like when I was thinking of, you know, before we went live here, the show was like, all right, what is like the Nikolai Volkov match I could recommend? And I kind of am struggling still with it. I guess it would be the title change at the first WrestleMania when they beat Barry and uh, like Rotunda.
1: He had a pretty high-profile high feud with uh, Bruno too. I don't know any matches don't like come. yeah, off yeah the top that was of my yeah, head, that was but... in the initial run. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So no, I mean he is he is a huge star and was around when wrestling really exploded in the '80s. So uh, what do pe- we think about don't...
0: ESPN? I mean, like it's crazy to me. Like you know, I remember Randy Savage, that death was covered pretty heavily by ESPN.com. And Randy Savage is obviously one of the biggest stars in the history of professional wrestling. And, you know, when I say that now, I think a lot of people would be like, well, of course, you know, ESPN would mention Randy Savage. But, like, it really says something about that era that... You know, because we saw the same thing with Piper, obviously. And I think it does speak to Nikolai Volkov that he was covered. I mean, I, I really think if if I wanted to you know, put over his career. I think honestly the fact that was covered his death was covered by ESPN.com dot com is one of the, you know, nicer things I could say. I mean, it speaks to kind of his impact. Yeah. That, you know, a quote unquote legitimate and I know people have their problems with ESPN, sort certainly I do, but um, you know, that they would cover something like that they would cover him in that manner.
1: Yeah, I think ever since they launched their WWE section, they've yeah. I mean, there's obviously a much bigger chance they're going to cover pretty much sure. any death of any anyone that's like yeah. WWE linked. Well,
0: yeah, but I think it's specifically from that era. I mean, there there are a lot. There are deaths in the industry that they don't cover, certainly.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I guess I guess the way I look at it though is it's did they cover I more Christopher? I, I don't know. I didn't look. Um, I can look here in just a second. I I was just going to say though, like if they. If they covered a wrestler's death ten years ago, it shocked me a lot more than it does now, just because they have the wrestling section, which, by the way, Kyle, your boy Jonathan Coachman takes credit for the W-W-D- WWE section on ESPN.com. If he wouldn't have broke through to the higher ups to cover pro wrestling, that would not be happening. If you if you ask the coach, I don't know what yeah, your thoughts re-
0: are on that. I ref- I referenced David Dixon's Bixenspan a few minutes ago. I. I'm on Team Bix and his feud with the coach. (laughs) That that was bad. Yeah. The coach is a very bad. I'm sorry. Like, you know, I know it's like, oh, you know, which show have you announced? I haven't. Okay. I'm sure it's a hard job. But like, at the same time, as a consumer of a product, I'm allowed to have opinions. Mm -hmm. You know, that's like something like the Eric Bischoffs of the world don't really understand. Like, okay, fine. You were there, but I'm watching and I'm allowed to have an opinion. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my opinion with Jonathan Coachman is he sticks as a professional wrestling announcer. (laughs) Like, very bad. Like, he's very bad.
1: Uh, To to answer your question about Brian Christopher, I'm not seeing anything on ESPN.com, but there was an article on CNN.com about him.
0: Wow. And I'm seeing also their affiliates had things about Brian Christopher. ESPN's like kind of like, you know, ESPN Orlando and things like that had things, but not the main site. So,
1: Yeah. Uh, before I forget, Kyle, you did mention Black Saturday when you were talking about Nikolai and when he, when he came over to the, the to the WWF in his second run, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's that's a whole other topic we could get into. But for those of you who don't know what that is, it was basically when Vince McMahon uh, achieved the rights to television on Saturday mornings, uh, where Georgia Championship Wrestling had previously aired on TBS. So all the all the Georgia and they Cham- just added that. To the network. Yes. And the hidden gems. Yep. So all the GCW fans had tuned in that morning, and they were welcomed by Vince McMahon's smiling face. It's big story, 1980s uh, pro wrestling television history. So that's, that's something maybe we could run down on the Patreon show sometime. Mm-hmm. Uh, Top Rope Nation Classics. There's an idea. So you want to hear that one? Top Rope Nation on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. So uh, Brian Christopher. Now... Most of our listeners are all going to be familiar with him just because his run was so much more. Well, I say more recently. God, it's almost been 20 years now. But uh, the, whole, the whole story with uh, Too Cool, you know, him, Scotty Too Hotty, Rikishi, it was a big deal around 2000 or so. Uh, wrestling was super popular and they always got the crowd going. So uh, he was never like a, a main event headliner, although he did get one run, I think, with the WWE tag team titles. Uh, with Scotty hotty as Too Cool, and uh, of course the son of the legendary Jerry the King Lawler, and um, you know I was talking with this, uh, uh, I was talking with Derek Choupel, friend of the pod down there in Memphis, who kind of grew up watching Brian Lawler. <laughs> Been a while since we've given Derek a shout out, but he's a he's a strong supporter of the show. I know he's listening, and uh, we were kind of talking the other day about just what a sad turn of events and what Brian's life had become because. Yeah. You know, if you look at his early run in Memphis, he was a whole different character than anyone ever saw on the WWE stage. A much more serious, you know, top babyface character. And obviously his, his lineage, his family lineage helped there. But uh, this was a kid with a ton of promise. Uh, he had, Like we said, we, he had the pedigree. Uh, he was super talented. Really connected with those Memphis fans. And what's, what's happened with his life in the last couple of years has really been sad to, to watch unfold it was not in a good place obviously um, there was uh, some violence charges around him a couple months ago and then he was being held in prison for uh, drunk driving slash uh, running from the cops in early July and uh, apparently he was in jail, tried to hang himself and died several hours later from injuries from the the suicide attempt so it's very sad uh, of course, condolences out to the whole Lawler family. But um, uh, this is kind of Justin. I know when we became friends, this was right around the time Too Cool was kind of at their heyday. And so, uh, were you a fan of the act there in, in two thousand two thousand <laughs> one?
2: No, <laughs> <laughs> I, I liked Scotty's Worm. That was about it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: it. It was. It was just a little bit too hokey for me um and there was too many other guys that i wanted to see by guys i mean like characters wrestlers uh, that i wanted to see succeed and it it was just a little too cheesy without actually being funny
1: like edging christian are you telling me that not everything in the attitude era was incredible
2: I would say about 75% of it was not incredible.
1: Wow, wow. <laughs> I cannot believe you're saying that. No. Yeah, we've been pretty vocal of our criticism of the Attitude Era on this show. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. I didn't, I didn't look this up or anything, but I'm just going off memory. Didn't he come in as part of the cruiserweight division? Yeah, the light yeah, heavyweight division it was at the
0: time. The WWE yeah, w- he, w- he, light heavyweight, that's right. Yeah, Yeah, he was um, the foil for Taka. That's you know, right. they were going to build the division on and that did not work. Uh, he was just not a fit. But it's a testament that he stuck with it because, you know, he was kind of DOA on the roster for most of 98, 99 until they hit that too cool gimmick. And yeah, I, I'm kind of with Justin. It wasn't necessarily my favorite thing. And it certainly you knew it had an expiration date. But I'm just going to make a statement right now that is absolutely correct. In early 2000, they were moreover than the Hardys, Edge and Christian, and Dudleys for those first six months. Now, those three teams all lapped them, eventually, as we know, but Too Cool was ungodly over at the beginning of 2000, that Dallas 10-man that they were a part of. um, Wait,
2: for the first how many months?
0: I would say first five to six months.
2: No, I mean, as soon as WrestleMania 2000 was done,
0: I mean... I don't know, Too Cool got... Too Cool beat Edge and Christian. I mean, they were super over, man. I mean, if you go back they were like i i would say that for the first half of 2000 yeah i, I would but they were right there i mean it it kind of once they lost the tag titles back to edge and christian it kind of started waning but i i think they were more popular than those teams at first
1: wasn't i wasn't at No Mercy in the fall of 99 though when when the ladder match with Edge and Christian and the Hardy Boys. I it was. I like, have to put, I mean, I'd have to say they were above too cool, but Too Cool was right there. I mean, Too Cool was in the they I mean, you talk about being in the
0: main event. I mean, they were in. I mean, they were ungodly over in that um that 10-man
1: tag. Yeah, they
0: they that, were on that the That was house... like a main event feud, and they were and they were the ones who feuded with the Radicals when the Radicals came in.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. They were they were on a, a house show here um, in Iowa at the Dome in two thousand. And uh, God, there was like eighteen thousand people, I think, at that house show. And they they were uh, legitimately one of the most popular acts on that show. This was in like just a couple weeks before Mania yeah. two thousand. And, and a lot of it was it was just them. I mean, it was Rikishi
0: too. It was the whole pack. I mean, people were talking about you know in that Royal Rumble two thousand. I mean, not like just. You know, some spamul with the blog, but people who I respected, you know, that, you know, Rikishi would be a main eventer by SummerSlam.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, they were on, un- I mean, watch, like, if you watch the January and February TV of
1: 2000,
0: I mean, they were freaking over, like, Rover, man.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'd say if I had to pick a team from that, that period, though, I'd say the Hardys were number one. I mean, they were, man, well, they, moved they were a lot
0: lasting. I mean, yes, I just think that, like, there was a, Short period where Too Cool, I, I think, was a little more over. Like, But, like, obviously, you know, by 2001, it was a no contest. And, and, you know, speaking of 2001, it shocked me when I was researching. You know, Christopher was gone by 2001. And, like, he – Jim Ross, right before he resigned as the head of talent relations, did try to hire him back, but that didn't last long. And other than a couple, you know, one-offs on Raw,
1: he he never
0: came back and worked with the company again.
1: Mm-hmm. I was
0: shocked that, like, you know,
1: it was sort of over that quick. Yeah. So, I was trying to look up when his last match was as far as the internet wrestling database. Stuff.
2: I think it was, uh, oh, I guess I was thinking WWE. Yeah. Uh, him and Scotty had a match in NXT, I think, in, like, 2014
1: against yeah. the Ascension. Yeah. Yeah, February 2014, NXT arrival, mm-hmm. and uh, they were on Raw like a month before that. So, yeah, since 2014, according to this website, he only wrestled had only wrestled two times. That can't be right, is it? I don't know. That's all they have on his on his match history at least. So, uh, they have a match in Rev Pro in 2014 and uh, Maryland Championship Wrestling in 2014. So, yeah. once Rikishi
0: turned heel, which was sort of ill fated for those who were. Uh, remember that the, the I did it for my people angle, you know, too cool was kind of left out to hang out to dry. And, and you know, it did, like I said, have an expiration date. Um, and you know, they just they just kind of faded away.
1: Yeah. So, condolences out to the families. A lot of uh sadness. His, here. his best
0: work is uh, his best work overall, though, is clearly in Memphis, though. Yeah. Like oh, that, yeah. No like doubt. against Jeff Jarrett and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. All right, so let's get to WWE and what's been going on this week. Uh, we, we talked a lot of WWE the other day, but uh, that was 1991 WWE. So let's get let's fast forward to uh, 2018. So Raw and SmackDown this week. We're talking off air. I think SmackDown was the better show. Uh, but Raw was interesting at the close and at the start. Um, I, I did like that opening segment with Roman and, and Paul Heyman. I thought uh, Roman was getting a strong reaction right from the start from that crowd in Miami. Uh, calling, saying that uh, Brock was going to be going back to UFC as Roman Reigns's bitch. That was a good line. That was good. It was. It was. <laughs> the crowd loved it. But uh, Brock was kind of like the king of the memes on on Monday night, as you've all seen. He's he's looking at magazines throughout the show backstage, and <laughs> <laughs> I liked our good friend Liam O'Rourke uh, photoshopping his book, Crazy Like a Fox. I didn't see that. One. that. Yeah, yes. that was good. Uh, so Brock was just backstage for most of the show till the very end. When we did finally get, as part of that closing segment, uh, a "We Want Roman" chant, so we're getting close to the fans getting behind Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. And then no. what happened, Kyle? <laughs> well,
2: hold on. Well, I, I just want to point out that that "We Want Romans" chant the, 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 it was a little bit higher pitched voices.
1: <laughs> hey, the dollar bills are all the same.
0: It's not a monolithic audience. I, I I think that's something, when as we struggle to evaluate WWE in 2018, that's, the th- I mean, it's no different. It's not like a, you know, 18 to 24 male is any better than a kid that's at the show. Yeah,
2: I guess my point is that I think more impressive is that the lack of anti-Roman chants in that moment.
1: Yeah, and I, I do want to say, I, I noticed that about the chant a little bit, but I I also think the crowd as a whole was a lot more behind him than they have been in, the, in recent months. I, like, starting with that opening segment, I thought he was getting a pretty good reaction from the crowd. Well, I mean, they booed him hard when he came out. I, I think it was a testament,
0: actually, to Brock Lesnar being somewhat compelling. I mean, my God. I can't believe I'm saying it, but they actually had depth to his character. They didn't just have him standing there while Paul Heyman recites the same tired promo.
1: Yeah, I think I it, think the fans are conditioned to boo him now at this point. You know, like whenever mm-hmm. whenever that theme song comes on. But he did a good job through that opening segment of getting them Oh, I them liked the, the promo him. a lot. Yeah,
0: Roman's promo. I liked it a lot. Yeah, yes. Um, but you know, Brock and the thing with Heyman is too like there's obviously a pretty substantial portion of the WWE audience that likes Paul Heyman. And I think Brock, you know, kind of going so far as to, you know, even heel on Heyman. It took his sort of him as a heel to a next level. I think that worked. That was a smart idea. Whoever came up with that, but what was not a smart idea or an audible that should have been called. And this was the problem I had with the end of raw is Brock lays out angle it's choking Heyman there is the we want Roman chant if this is the attitude era which was referenced earlier Steve Austin's driving out on a Zamboni man and the crowd's getting what they want here we get Roman Reigns castrated babyface, just listening to the authority and he doesn't come out I that's a missed opportunity yeah um, well it,
2: yeah like you said it if they would have had it called an audible, because I, obviously, I think this was the plan. But I don't think dangling that carrot is a bad thing either. i mean, if if you're kind of starting to get the crowd wanting brains, just as well try and find out if you can carry that on to the next time, you know, because I think Lesnar has one more appearance before SummerSlam.
0: the bottom line he's he's getting booed in Brooklyn, regardless. Right, I mean, it's it, the idea that they're going to get the reaction that "quote unquote" they want. They meaning WWE, I think, is still ludicrous. But I, I, I don't know. To me, it would have like if you do something cool with Roman and he, you know, and you present him like a badass, which is how he should be presented. I, to me, that's something that should be done rather than just have him not come out. Because it's just like, well, you know, he listened to the authority and he just went away. You know, Steve Austin did not just go away. I mean, when Steve Austin
1: was escorted from the building, he would always come back. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, I think, I think Justin's onto something there. They're probably going by the mindset of that anticipation, building it up, building up, building it up. But, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I don't think that really works with Roman Reigns.
0: Yeah. New Orleans. Yeah. Allow me to answer with two words, New Orleans. <laughs> exactly. Okay. We that was thought, my next point. We, Cause that's we what We all they thought did. they were turning the corner there in New Orleans. <laughs> and then we, look, the three of us were sitting in that building, baby. And there wasn't no
1: corner turn. <laughs> they, uh, it's one of the castrations Roman Reigns has experienced. This, this guy's had a lot of balls cut off in the last year, a couple of years. Still think he should win the match in five less than five minutes. I agree. Why not? Yeah, and as as long as Strowman doesn't cash in right afterwards, which there's some talk on Monday night about uh, why isn't Braun Strowman going to cash in tonight if if Brock's there? Didn't happen, obviously. But um, yeah,
0: he kind of
1: had said that, you know. Oh well, but I don't know. I wouldn't have been completely against it, to be honest with you. I was thinking about this during the show. And obviously Brock and Roman is not going to go over well in Brooklyn. So my thought, I I know they want to have Roman finally get this win over Brock, but they should have done a long time ago anyways. And I I did have that thought run through my mind Monday night. Like, why not just create some buzz, have him cash in, knock out Brock right now, and do Braun-Roman on two weeks notice at SummerSlam. (laughs) Why not? you know what? what is there because they, they want roman to pin brock i know i honestly, know but kind of has to yeah, i know I mean, but man much, it's like worthless as much
0: as it's like everyone's like oh god do this already they need to do it
1: i don't know if they need to do it i like it's it's not really gonna matter at this point because like you said nobody cares so like okay. i don't think the win means anything it's just getting it over
0: there is an art yeah i mean it's Who will it mean anything to? That is a good question. Because I think even the people who do like Roman Reigns are kind of like just dreading the whole thing. Like, oh God, is he going to lose again? Yeah. Like, I don't like, I just don't see, and I could be wrong. And if, you know, if I'm wrong, that's good for WWE. You know, I, I just don't see anyone really going crazy over this. It's just like there's two schools of thought we hate Roman Reigns or. God damn it, why didn't you do this already? <laughs> there's no one who's like, yes, this, you know, there's no one like, this is the time, you know? The, the I mean, there's been a lot of this is
1: the times. Yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying is like, I don't think anyone's really going to benefit in the long run because even the people that want Roman to win, it's just going to be kind of like, okay, yeah, finally, it's about time. Should happen yeah. a long time ago. What's next? Like, I, yeah. I don't get much say of that, a rub from this match. I only say that he needs to do it because Brock has been protected to
0: the point that him losing should be a big deal. And they very clearly want that loss to occur to Roman Reigns. That's the story they've told, whether it's a good story, whether it's a bad story can be debated ad nauseum, but it's the story they want to tell. So they need to do it because they've, you know,
1: pussyfooted around for three years. <laughs> yep. Should have happened months ago, but here we are. So. Years ago. Yeah. So the only other thing on Raw that I really I thought was worth talking about is just that Rousey's gonna be wrestling next Monday night um on television against Alicia Fox. So they This one's for my husband. <laughs> yeah. So they did they did they did announce the match against Alicia Fox, so it's it's going down next Monday, her first television match. Um and uh that's well let's see, next Monday will be what? Just under 2 weeks from SummerSlam, so building up that match with Alexa Bliss. And uh I don't know, anything else from Raw to go over guys? Other than
0: the Roman Rock stuff, I didn't think Raw was a huge thing. Uh, I don't know. I do. I want to draw your guys' eye or not? Actually, now that I think of something.
1: Oh God, do it! I dare you.
0: (laughs) Seth Rollins was very much in a Shawn Michaels. I want to get my shit in mood against Dolph against uh Drew McIntyre. I thought if you watch that match, I thought. I didn't think Seth wrestled that well that match.
1: How dare you.
0: I look, I've been very complimentary How of Seth. Dare Balls, you? But I I thought he was eating up McIntyre and
1: he needed to work that match differently.
2: Ryan, can you like uh delete him from this
1: chat? Is that possible? <laughs> Moving my cursor towards that red hang up button right about now.
0: Man, you gotta be objective with these things. <laughs> I don't cheer for guys. I cheer for the right way. You...
2: You can be a mark, man. You can be a mark.
0: <laughs> Look, I think Seth Rollins has had a tremendous 2018. I just I don't know if it, he's kind of irritated after because of the crowd in Pittsburgh for that Iron Man match. He did not wrestle. He he didn't wrestle appropriately. I think at that match.
1: He should be irritated because if this company had a bit of sense, he'd be the guy beating Brock Lesnar at Summerslam. Am I wrong?
2: Hey, a-men. Am
1: I wrong, I Kyle? Know. I don't know. You don't know. <laughs> Come <I> on. Know. <laughs> We've had this discussion before. Hottest baby face on there's Raw an an over the, over There's an argument
0: year. that he should be put in that spot, but I don't know. I'll don't
2: tell know. you what. I'll tell you what. Tomorrow, I'm going to eat some Taco John's, videotape it, and send it to you.
0: Uh, <laughs> you I'm going to make you watch me
2: eat Taco John's. <laughs> Look,
0: Drew McIntyre is the guy that's going to be pushed in the fall. There's no doubt. I mean he's been protected. He hasn't lost. And, you know, Seth was just, I mean, it was like I said, it was a vintage Shawn Michaels performance it was one of those like uh Shawn Michaels performances where Shawn went out there. He didn't really give a shit about the opponent. Shawn's like, you know what? I want to make sure everyone knows I'm really athletic and good and fuck this other guy and fuck this match.
1: <laughs> Let me just say Imagine Watch thinking that people. imagine thinking that saying somebody having a vintage Shawn Michaels performance is a bad thing. Shawn Michaels could be very unprofessional <laughs> at times. No, and, yeah, that's true. That's okay, so the
0: Shawn Michaels just because he's a good wrestler didn't mean that sometimes it wasn't a de- he couldn't be a detriment to that company at times. There have been clear times where Shawn Michaels has turned it unprofessional. Performance. <laughs> I would say so. Yes. I mean, um, and Seth, Seth wasn't, you know, I mean, quite as, you know, I mean, as much as we laugh about, like, the Hogan match at SummerSlam 05, that was pretty unprofessional.
1: <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah, uh, it was but terrible. Like,
0: I mean, Seth, it wasn't that ridiculous, but, I mean, come on, man. Give Drew something. Don't just counter everything. Yeah.
2: I mean, you're you're talking like uh, he lost his smile or something. I mean, granted, he he lost his pants in a pitcher once, but he didn't lose his smile.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh. It's just one match. I just I don't know. I'm not saying that he's a bad wrestler. I'm just saying that I didn't think he worked that match smart.
1: <laughs> oh man, Ju- I gotta say, are, Justin, guys are
0: not omnipotent.
1: I, <laughs> I gotta There's say, no
0: omnipotent wrestler. Ju-
1: Justin has been a little quieter on this episode. Um, but when he has came in with a comment, he's coming in full board tonight, guys. He's got the, he had the comment about Vladimir Putin having something to do with Nikolai Volkov's death, a reference to the Seth Rollins nude photo leak. Well done, Justin. Well done.
2: I mean, who doesn't think about that photo all the time?
1: (laughs) Oh, on that note, (laughs) moving on to SmackDown live, uh, SmackDown, the better show. I thought, um, I think there's some things we can nitpick on SmackDown. Uh, maybe actually it's even more than nitpicking uh, with Charlotte Flair, which we're going to get to here in a minute. Charlotte Reigns. Charlotte Reigns. I think that's <laughs> not her last name. <laughs> let's let's just start with right with this. So Charlotte returned on the show, and uh, Charler, Charlotte has now weaseled her way into the SummerSlam <laughs> match uh, where she will now be competing against Becky Lynch and Carmella. It's now a triple threat. Some great reactionary shots in the back of Becky pissed off to all hell that Charlotte is kind of stealing her thunder now after returning. And, you know, she's been gone for a while and all of a sudden she finds herself now in the title match. So um, personally, as a fan and an analyst, I would rather see Becky Lynch wrestling Carmella one-on-one. I'd rather not have Charlotte in this match. Um, so I think there's a there's a good thread of realism in the story, and uh, I think it's uh, probably leading to Charlotte going heel eventually, which would would be better anyway. She's a much better heel. But uh, Kyle, you were pretty critical off air about this whole situation. So I
0: hope that's the story they're telling. Because if not, man, no, <laughs> that, yeah, I, yeah. Jeez. I don't see how you, you Charlotte Flair comes across as likable in that situation. No, if that was not. Roman Reigns. Okay. And Becky Lynch was one of your favorites, like Seth Rollins. Okay. I'd have to hear about it till the cows came home.
2: Well, oh, okay. I'm kind of confused. What did Charlotte do?
0: She was like, so, okay. So sh- Becky was like, they did a great job. And, you know, Carmella, we talk about character wise, she's great. They did a great job building up the idea of Becky Lynch versus Carmella one on one. Okay, and then Charlotte kind of just apes her way into the title picture. And as a viewer, you know, Ryan mentioned it. I'm sympathetic towards Becky. It's like, oh, Becky's like, I thought I was gonna have this one on one opportunity. And my point is, if that was Roman, if Charlotte was Roman Reigns and Roman Reigns like returned and like won his way into a triple threat where, again, one of the Internet's favorites thought they're gonna have a one on one match. We, I would be hearing it
1: till the cows came home, man. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Charlotte returned early in the show on SmackDown. And uh, she did a run-in helping Becky Lynch from an attack by Carmella. And then she wrestled Carmella later in the show. Won the match, which gave her the right to enter the women's title match at at, at a SummerSlam. Here in just over two weeks. So... Becky clearly annoyed. Didn't like it. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it either. <laughs> like I said, but, uh, I mean, if they're telling a at. story with the car or if they're, I mean, it's almost like they kind of have
0: to, I mean, and we've talked about this before. Okay. Post Carmella title picture. You're go- the three main players will be Charlotte Oscar and Becky Lynch. Right. Although Becky Lynch is a major player can be debated because I don't think they're ever going to go all the way with her. Um, all through your baby faces, somebody has to turn. But um, you know, there are t- there's talk that they may do horsewomen versus horsewomen down the line still. Yeah. And you know, if that's the case, they can't turn Charlotte or Becky before that. So, um, I'm interested to see how this plays out.
2: No, it's it's funny because like my big takeaway from the whole angle was like I fully expected or fully expect Becky to be the one that to To turn at SummerSlam after uh, Carmella uh, keeps the title, but uh, yeah, no, I I actually find this match far more intriguing. And this is coming as a Becky Lynch fan. This is far more intriguing to me than just a straight up Becky Lynch and Carmella match.
1: So we talked about this uh, when when the Becky match with Carmella. I think it was was it last week we talked about it. Um, when this when this match was first announced, and we debated whether Becky would have a chance of being the person to dethrone Carmella, and we floated the idea that she could be a, a transition champion to Charlotte, which would involve uh, a Charlotte heel turn, uh, because uh, you wouldn't be likely to see babyface versus babyface with the title change. However, I do think. There is a way with this story that they could really heat up Becky here if they wanted to go all in on her, and she's got a she's got a huge fan base. Like any, she's every a really week, good baby face. Yeah, every she... week the crowd is is going crazy for her. So I I do see a situation where if if you went all in, you could have Charlotte win the title at SummerSlam. They have some kind of interaction in the match that. Uh, you know, like Charlotte steals it from Becky. She goes heel, and then she taunts Becky, and Becky chases her for a couple months, maybe winning the title at Evolution. And if they did that with with Charlotte fresh as a heel and Becky chasing, I do, I see, I could see Becky catapulting to be one of the top stars in the women's division right then and there, especially with a big time. That's title not a bad win. scenario if they do that. That's not. I, I would. I would find that entertaining. Yeah. So, but it comes down to what are their actual plans here for Becky yeah, Lynch? Because I mean, by yep, then yeah. you're into October going into November, we're getting closer to mania season. And if they're going to do Charlotte Asuka again, um, that's going to complicate things there. But I, I, I do see a way that this could work out and really heat up mm-hmm. Becky Lynch. So we'll yeah, see my point going. was
0: just that like as a viewer, if you're just get like, I don't know. I just felt sympathetic towards Becky for the whole, and maybe you were supposed to. I mean, you know, based on the reactions, they weren't going to have her, you know, watch the big screen. I guess if you weren't, but um, you know, I certainly wasn't like rooting for Charlotte Flair. Yeah.
1: So who, like you said, is a pretty lousy babyface, quite frankly. Yeah. No, she's, she's a terrible babyface. Great heel. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm just waiting on the heel turn. So, uh, I just think that Charlotte, to be honest with you, a lot of the things the anti Roman crowd projects
0: on Roman, I think, applies to Charlotte Flair.
1: I had, I had, I kind of had that going through my mind a little bit when I was watching on Tuesday night because we had had a conversation, I believe that was off air, talking about, uh, uh you kind of allude to the fact you think Charlotte's overrated. And uh, as I watched her wrestle, like, I do think Charlotte's really good. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think she's, like, heads and shoulders above a lot of these other girls. And, no. in fact, there's other girls that are just as good, if, if not better. Yeah. And it's very clear that they, that they, WWE,
0: want her in the prime spot. Yeah. And that's okay. But I just, you know, it's it's funny how I think a lot of the criticism that Roman's hit with doesn't is not applied to her.
1: Right, like a legacy wrestler here with, with the mm-hmm. blood lineage, like, oh, they're just giving them the spot because of who they are. Like that certainly applies to her too. So yeah, that is a good point because she kinda in a lot of ways is the uh female Roman Reigns. So good could... thing that her last name's Flair, and not Reigns. <laughs> there you go. Uh also on SmackDown, now I know Justin, you probably were pretty happy with this one we have the finals of the tag team title number 1 contender I should say tournament next week as the bar who have been absent from television for quite a long time who were brought it's back they. yeah who were brought back for this tournament um they defeated the usos so they will face the new day next week on smackdown winner faces the treading water, Bludgeon Brothers for the tag team championships at SummerSlam. I was super happy that the Bar won personally because when I look at the perspective matches, it's like although the Usos and the New Day always have great matches, you know, like how many times have we seen that match? And this is at least a little bit fresh. And uh, no, I'm I'm glad to see the Bar there. What do you think, Justin? Uh,
2: yeah, I guess I, I'm I'm kind of tired of all. I, I just I'm still shocked that The Bar, New Day, and Usos all ended up on the same brand. I, I mean, we granted, it's fresher than Uso's New Day, but we have seen New Day and The Bar, you know, multiple times going back to uh, New Day's last tag title reign, and, and they're on Raw, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of lukewarm on the whole SmackDown tag scene right now.
1: Yeah, it's well, but the SmackDown tag scene is so much better than Raw. Could we agree? Yeah, <laughs> like it's uh way deeper. Yeah, we've seen a lot of the matches before. This one is we've seen it before, but it's been a lot longer. Um, the bar just hasn't been in, in the title picture in a long, long time. Um, so I don't know. We'll see what happens. What do you think, Kyle? I, I like. Any of the three contending
0: teams—New Day, Usos, or Bar—better than the Bludgeon Brothers? I've been pretty adamant about that. Um, I, you know, am thinking about something we talked about last week. I don't think the Bludgeon Brothers are any fresher than any of those other three teams. Like, okay, yeah, we gave Harper and Rowan a new, like, new theme music and a new name, but it's still Harper and Rowan. I mean, they've been teaming up for years. Yeah. And I just think they're an inferior tag team than any of those other three. Uh, I do agree with what Justin said. The Usos probably could have moved to Raw. They, you know, because they've been on SmackDown since the start um, of the brand split. So they probably could have used a move to Raw. But um, I don't know. I'm just, um, I thought the match was great, which is no surprise. Two of the 10 best teams in WWE history. It, it, it was, was so a really, far. really
1: good match. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, the finish was kick ass. Um, I don't know if it matters. I see. I don't think the, are they going to do the bar versus the bludgeon brothers? That seems like an odd matchup.
2: If yeah, there's, there's no way. <laughs>
0: yeah. It almost seems like they're going to like, I wonder if they're just going to go back to the nude. I I don't know. I just, the, the bludgeon brothers just, I think they need to get the titles off them. Yes. Yes is the bottom line. Like, I don't care. Like, I just prefer any of the three teams to me. It was like one of those things like, uh, you know, we dissect the booking so much. We have a wrestling podcast. I didn't actually care who won the Usos or the, or the bar. And I don't think I care who wins new day bar next week. I just would prefer one of those teams to beat the bludgeon brothers.
1: As soon as possible.
0: <laughs> well, it'll be SummerSlam.
1: but yes, <laughs>
2: Do you, do you guys mind if I transition to something else? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, this feels so dirty to say. I,
1: Uh-oh. it's, <laughs> where's this it, going? <laughs>
2: it's disgusting.
0: Did you take a shit or? <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> no, 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 I, uh, I really like this whole Randy Orton, Jeff Hardy thing. I, 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 I think Brandy Orton's doing some good stuff right now.
1: That was a good segment, too. Uh, yeah, SmackDown was was a good show. Uh, his attacks on Hardy have been very realistic. Um, and I, I have no complaints. The heel turn's been great. Uh, I did like how he teased the RKO in that segment and got the crowd going crazy and then didn't do it and just stared at him. That was yes, good. That was that's really good, good heel
0: work. That's what a heel should do. Yeah. Yeah, good work fir- by Randall Knox or
1: <laughs> at first I was like, wait, what's he doing? And then I was like, Oh, okay, here it comes, here it comes, and then yes, there it was. It was great, great. So, no, that's been fantastic too. I agree. smackdown just has been the much better show of late. So um, and then uh, yeah, they closed out with the, that uh, great Ms. Bryan segment too, which yeah. was very good.
0: The Joe promo was good. Yeah, yeah. Simone joe is like shockingly good on promos
1: oh yeah <laughs> he's he's one of the best in the company the way he looks at the mic yeah. and he's super yeah but I mean, his delivery the, is just great i said the way he looks at the mic the way he looks at the camera yeah, yeah. great
0: delivery i mean it, it sucks that like we don't have like the samoa joe of 2018 on the mic meshed with the samoa joe of like 2005 in the ring i mean my god would that be one of the great wrestlers of all time
1: yeah Oh, so
2: yeah. yeah. I never mind. I'll we'll save it for the the SummerSlam preview. I I've just got some thoughts on or some questions on Samoa Joe versus The Miz. As far as, far as who's the hotter heel right now.
1: Oh, okay. That's actually that's a pretty good debate we could have. You want to save that for SummerSlam? We can go into it right now. I think
2: now. I think we should I think we should save that
1: for Okay, SummerSlam. we'll save it. So, uh Two shows from now will be our SummerSlam preview. Talk Put about that, that
2: in your back pocket as long as you're wearing pants. <laughs> as long yeah, as you're not re- Seth Rollins, okay,
0: right? Okay, yeah we, yeah, we do have uh, two weeks. For some reason, I was thinking SummerSlam was two Sundays from now. It's three Sundays from now,
1: right? It's the week after next. It's the 19th, yeah. and... The Sunday is the f- the 5th. So yeah, so next week is not a su-
0: so next week is not a Summer Slam preview show actually. Nope, two okay. Weeks from it's now. it's not the go home stuff next week. It's two weeks. Okay. Well, okay. Yeah. Which makes sense because it feels like they're holding stuff back on this card.
1: Yeah, a little bit. Um <laughs> they certainly held back Miz and Brian, which hasn't been confirmed but is obviously happening and uh their segment closed SmackDown, and uh, Miz was not there. He was talking about his reality show. He said he was on the set of his reality show, which was kind of a weird line, but uh, he was on the set of his reality show uh, promoting the fact that it was the, what well, they they call it, the most watched uh, reality show on USA Network in like seven years or something like that. Didn't didn't hurt that it came on right after SmackDown. Got a lot of the wrestling fans to stay tuned no, that in. Was,
0: that was a, that's a good get for Miz, man. Yeah, and then that I showed th- that show's going to do better than it probably ought to. Yeah, just
1: because it comes right after SmackDown. And they were this week; they were rerunning before SmackDown last week's show, of the Miz Yes. Misses. So that was also very smart on their part. And uh, Brian uh, came out to the ring. It was just a promo segment with Brian going back and forth in the Miz on on the screen. And uh the Miz kind of hinting that Brian is is scared of him and he's not the old Brian anymore. He's not the Daniel Bryan of of WrestleMania 30 and Brian saying the Miz is scared of him. why don't you come out here? Uh, the Miz talked about how this isn't the Indies. you can't just call me out and I'll come out and we'll fight. you have to go through his agent, which was a pretty good heel line. And, uh, no, he he denied him the match. Brian was very disappointed. Obviously, we're going to get it, but uh, they're going to drag it out a little bit longer before we get the match confirmed. Uh, What did you guys think of this segment? Go ahead, Kyle. I thought it was very good.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was – we are going to get it. And, you know, their house show matches have all been well received. So it will probably end up being the best thing on SummerSlam.
1: The Miz did get a line in during the promo about uh, how Brian should just go ahead and not re-sign, <laughs> mm-hmm. which, which was an interesting insider reference there, which we've talked about on the show. Brian mm-hmm. still has not re-signed with WWE contract mm-hmm. end September 1st. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. There's been
0: some debate. I mean, some people said he signed the three month extension Meltzer said that wasn't true. Um, so yeah, we don't know. They're going to maybe keep us in the dark for that. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah, in ring wise, um, I'm thinking it's probably gonna be the highlight of the show, right? Am I missing something?
1: Um, that could be
0: well, like, well, what Joe else and, could be? Joe and styles would be a great. That's match. true. Joe and styles could be, um, but yeah, this is what the people want. This is, you know, ever since Brian came back and was, mo- you know, Ms. was moved to SmackDown. This is precisely what the people want. They're giving it to him. Finally.
1: Yeah. Just... A lot
0: better than what Brian's done before. Last couple months.
2: Yeah, I, I dug it. Um, I wasn't a fan of the uh, uh, the babies crying on the screen, and maybe that's just because I'm, you know, a new father who has like the thousand-yard stare whenever I hear a child crying. Right now,
1: (laughs) I'm like mentally preparing myself to deal with that again here in a couple of months when baby number two arrives. Having a hard time, having a hard time remembering how I functioned that first year, and going back through that again a second time is going to be a. Another eye-opening experience, I'm sure. Yeah.
2: You, you don't function, you survive. Yeah,
1: it's like, I think back now, and I'm like, I don't even remember, how did I go to work? And then it's like, well, I can barely remember working during that period, so that probably says something. Yeah, so, I'll be right there with you guys here pretty soon. And uh, that was, I, I agree, that was a little odd uh, at the end when all these crying baby faces. Not baby faces as in good guys, but literal faces of babies popped up on the screen over and over and over again. Uh Miz taunting Brian as a crybaby. That was that was a little bit um a little too kooky for me, but uh overall yeah, the segment ex- was good.
2: Yeah, especially with how like uh naturally this feud has come together to have something that uh contrived it just didn't work for me.
1: So, yeah, good, a good set of television tapings this week. I I thought, um, like, overall everything. TV tapings. Is this 1994 WCW? Or <laughs> what, I always call them TV here? tapings. Yeah. That's what I always call them. But, uh, yeah, definitely SmackDown was better than Raw. But uh, there, there was some memorable stuff on both shows. But uh, if I if I had to watch them a second time on repeat viewing, no question, it would be SmackDown. Most of SmackDown was all very good. So um, the other thing I did want to mention this week is I had a chance to attend some of the – Proceedings at the uh, Tr- George Tragos Luthez Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame here in uh, Waterloo, Iowa, over the weekend, which was a a very notable event because of the fact that Owen Hart was inducted into the Hall of Fame alongside uh, Dan Severn were the two inductees this year. Uh, there's some other people there getting awards, notably uh, off Booker again T. on again rivals on 1998 WWF television. <laughs> yeah, that's true, Dan Severin, Owen Hart. Uh, I actually had a chance to talk with Dan Severin a little bit at the uh, indie wrestling show that I went to on Friday night, which was the night before um, the actual Hall of Fame proceedings, which I did not get to attend, but I've been to in the past. And uh, just the whole weekend, we're trying, we've are talked about on the show before, we want to get Kyle back here maybe next year to Iowa to go to the Hall of Fame weekend. It's just a really cool experience for wrestling fans, especially longtime fans, because you know, you're in this medium-sized city in Iowa, and you have these legends all over the place, and just super accessible. Like, uh, if I went down the list of who was just standing around at, at the uh, the Impact Pro Wrestling Indie Show on Friday night, uh, JJ Dillon was there. Severn, I mentioned. Uh, Jerry Briscoe was there. Uh, Tony Guerrilla was there. Uh, the entire like not. Like, uh, let's see. <laughs> did, did he break up any, like, brawls? Yeah. Uh, I feel that that would have been, like, very appropriate if there
0: was, like, a brawl during a match and Tony Guerrilla like, yeah. off the rail to, like, break it up.
1: <laughs> that's what I, you know, being my age, I think of him more as the guy at ringside versus the wrestler. But, uh, yeah, that's true. Uh um, and
0: Martell were a great team.
1: Colt Cabana was here. Uh, CM Punk's good buddy uh, who just defeated at WWE in a lawsuit a few weeks back. Uh, Booker T, I mentioned he was there. Uh, Diana Hart was there. Davey Boy Smith Jr. was there. Uh, Who else? Keith Hart, Ross Hart, Bruce Hart. Yeah, a lot of legends of the sport. Oh, and the the revival from WWE were also there. So, a lot of big, Mm -hmm. and that's not even everybody. So, um, by all accounts, the banquet on Saturday was a really emotional event with the Hart family uh, accepting Owen's induction. So, this is the only wrestling hall of fame that Owen is in and uh i don't know if you'll ever get in the wwe hall of fame but uh a lot of wrestlers i wrote this in my article on uh, comicbook.com a lot of wrestlers feel that the tragos thez hall of fame is like the most legitimate pro wrestling hall of fame because they do have a voting body that decides who goes in every year Um, you do have to have some credentials as like a real athletic star or at least some background in real athletics outside of pro wrestling to be inducted into the hall so for owen he was a very good amateur wrestler before entering pro i think he even wrestled in college if i'm not mistaken um in alberta and uh, of course dan severin ufc star so it makes sense and so yeah it's always a great weekend i uh, got to give a shout out to kyle Klingman there he's the director of the dan gable museum where the tragos thaz hall is he's always been great for me uh, I've been covering that Hall of Fame, I think, going back to like 2006. And uh, he always does whatever he can to accommodate the media, and he always gives me great access to uh, talking to the wrestlers and doing what I need to do to, to cover the show. Um, like I said, I wrote up an article in Comic Book about it. And uh, yeah, maybe we can get Kyle on the show sometime talk about the Hall. That might be an interesting guest. So, uh, Kyle, I hope we can get you out here. Next summer to go to the not the same Kyle that you just referenced. no Kyle Klingman is the director, but Kyle Ross here on Top Rope Nation. I hope we can get you to return to Iowa sometime to go to the Hall of Fame. Oh, well, I know you have get some six, interest. Get me six pack and a pound, and I'll be out there. <laughs> there, there is a uh, Taco John's not too far away. So, oh
0: God, I'm salivating.
1: <laughs> so a good weekend. Great to see Owen get recognized, and uh, you guys. And by a- the way. That's
0: totally Martha's call. Like people who are mad, like yeah, it doesn't matter whether or not you agree with Martha Hart. It's her call. Like she thinks the WWE is culpable in Owen Hart's death, and if she feels that way, then he's not going in. And that's totally within her right, whether you agree with it or not.
1: Right, like they, she doesn't want the company to monetarily benefit off of her husband. And if at the Hall of Fame show that the WWE does, obviously they make a lot of money off of it, so that's the big objection there now with like the Trago Stes Hall of Fame it's not it's not something that's bringing in millions of dollars so I'm sure she wouldn't have had a problem with this one she was not in attendance Uh, none of like Owen's two children were not there either it was all um, his brothers and sisters from the Hart family and his nephew Davey Boy Jr. or Harry Smith that was there so uh, do you have a thought on on Owen there Justin?
2: Uh, I I think it's cool that he you know made a Hall of Fame um, i personally i think it's dumb that she won't allow him to go into WWE i get where you guys are coming from saying that it's, it's her right but i don't, like he put in so much work there and, and, to, and to to keep uh, to keep him out of the eyes and the hearts of the fans like that it's just it's just uh, to me, it, it just seems bitter, I guess. um, we, You know, well, fuck, I guess I can't blame her for it. Whatever. Ignore me.
1: <laughs> yeah, the the feud that uh, her and Brett have been having about this in recent weeks has been something to watch. And uh, I understand why she wouldn't want her, her husband, her late husband, I should say, to go in the Hall of Fame. I get where Brett's coming from, too. I guess the thing that bothered me the most, though... um about what Brett said about the whole situation is how Owen's kids have, like, no relationship at all with the Hart family, and that Brett said if he walked past Owen's two now-grown children on the street, he wouldn't even recognize them. That's really sad stuff. Like, I don't know why she's pulled back from the f- the rest of the family like that. So that was kind of hard to read. Yeah, it, it is, again. But, you know, I mean, to me, I mean, I'm not gonna, you know, tell someone how
0: to behave. That's not my, my place. I I think, like, I can celebrate, like... As a fan, like you, for you guys, does your appreciation of a wrestler really get affected by whether or not they're in the WWE Hall of Fame?
1: No, I mean,
2: but, but it's not just about the Hall of Fame. It's about all the other stuff they could do. Like, you know, they, they can make special documentaries and stuff about them. It's not, for me, it's not the Hall of Fame at all. It's that they, they can't talk about him like at all
1: well they did come out with a a documentary on him though Mm -hmm. well two i guess they had the Hart family one and then they did have the owen dvd oh that's true but uh, to me i mean i I mean i can celebrate
0: like you know i can watch owen hart matches and it's like this guy's really fucking good and yeah. yeah you know i mean to me it's not like you know i mean mark henry you know i think made a pretty emotional plea at the last hall of fame and there's arguments too, but to me it's just it's Martha Hart's call. And if she doesn't want it, okay, fine. I mean, like it, I guess like, you know, we can't get a bunch of like, you know, people in road triples each and Owen Owen, but I mean that doesn't really you know, I, I don't think that outweighs how she feels.
1: Yeah, I think I think the big thing for fans is they, they want to see him get that recognition recognition on the big stage one more time. And uh but Martha is well within her rights to to not want to see it happen and you know if if I went through what she went through and what happened with Owen was to me like the biggest tragedy in the history of pro wrestling should have never happened it should have never been in that situation it's i don't know how you get over that and uh so it it's hard to to tell her how she should feel for sure cuz she lost the love of her life who did something that he should have never been in the position to have to do so Difficult situation, but it's great to see him get honored at least um, at the, the Tragos Thez Hall of Fame. And uh, when it comes to the two Hall of Fames, like this one is more legitimate, no doubt about it. The people in the Tragos Thez Hall of Fame are legit Hall of Famers with athletic backgrounds. They're not people that are just handpicked by Vince McMahon to go in the Hall of Fame. So it, it's a legitimate Hall. He got honored. Very cool. Well, I mean, so. it's, a, it's, a, it's a vote of one for the WWE Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah, no, the yeah, the Trios does like they have this whole committee. I think everyone that's been inducted has a vote, and then they have they have another committee too. So they meet and they do the voting every year and they send out the ballots, and uh some years they've had more than two inductees, but just the two this year, and then they always have some other awards too that they give out. There's a journalism award, which Meltzer's got before, Wade Keller's got before. Wade Keller was there too, by the way. Uh mm-hmm. Bruce Mitchell was there. Yes. Uh I think Jason Powell from Pro was there. So a lot of people were here for the show and uh yeah very cool to see so uh uh before we roll out this week i do want to mention that um we kind of have a partner now on top rope nation and we do uh, we do <laughs> i don't even know if i've told you guys about this but uh many of you listening have maybe heard of wrestle rumble uh wrestle rumble every wwe pay-per-view they do a contest i think it's like 5 bucks you can buy an entry um, and then they have like a whole list of all this stuff that's gonna possibly happen on the pay-per-view show. You uh, pick who's gonna win each match. You pick if different uh, weapons are gonna be using each match. How long they're gonna be. It's very difficult, <laughs> but it's fun to do. Gives you something to watch for on the pay-per-view shows. And then they always have prizes. And uh, you know, they've I've seen them give away replica title belts. I've seen them give away tickets to pay-per-views. I've seen them give away hundreds and hundreds of dollars. It's different for every show. I'm not sure what their SummerSlam prizes are going to be yet. I'm on their website right now. Uh, not seeing that listed. Um, but they did just have an Extreme Rules, um, contest a few weeks ago. So yeah, uh, WrestleRumble.com, their new partner of the show. We'll be talking about them, uh, heading into SummerSlam and, uh, if you've never done it before, I would strongly encourage you to maybe just try out an entry for five bucks or whatever you want to do to try to win some money. It looks like extreme rules. The first place took home five hundred dollars, second place was a hundred dollars, third place was a hundred dollars. Give away big time money for uh, guessing what's gonna happen on the pay per view show. So shout out to Wrestle Rumble. I'll be mentioning them on our SummerSlam preview show here in, in a couple weeks. So uh Buck. Are
0: we eligible? Five hundred bucks, I'll take it.
1: No, I Yeah, we're eligible. I've entered it multiple times. So well, you <laughs> I have. I have not won, but I will keep trying. Uh, so it's kind of like fantasy wrestling, I guess you could say. Uh, and you get a new chance every single month. So on that note, again, I mentioned at the top of the show, if you didn't have a chance, check out our uh, Top Rope Nation Classics show, which reviewed SummerSlam 91. We had a great time reviewing that show the other night, guys. And uh, I think it's a pretty good listen. Uh, In the future, those classic shows are all going to be only on Patreon. So if you go to patreon.com slash topropenation, you can see how you can access those shows moving forward. All the benefits that come with being a patron of the Top Rope Nation are available there. And uh, we are looking forward to reviewing more classic shows. It really gets Kyle jacked up. He was... All day long, even today he was he was jacked up from that show last night. I started got...
0: just talking about SummerSlams to myself all day, to be honest <laughs> with you. I I was just I just I put the mic on and I, you know, didn't have to hit record. I was just sitting at my desk talking randomly about SummerSlam history. I was so motivated.
1: Uh, I am looking at my at six fifty AM this morning. And we recorded last night Top Rub Nation Classics. He says, Well, Who it's seven fifty to... for me. Yeah. <laughs> he says, Who wants to talk about another SummerSlam Right now, all caps. (laughs) He was jacked. It was fun. It was a good time. Check it out um, on all your podcast feeds and then in the future at patreon.com.
0: Full disclosure: I never slept. I just started doing cocaine after the show. <laughs> That's why.
1: <laughs> no, I actually really had a hard time falling asleep last night, which is kind oh, of. Oh, I
0: thought crazy. you were gonna say. I thought you were going say full disclosure. I did cocaine too. I was like, <laughs> no, but I did like, have. I had a hard,
1: hard time getting to sleep yeah. last night. Like
0: you should have called me. We would have yeah.
1: <laughs> talk about the worst SummerSlams at three in the morning, just gibberish. <laughs> Damn it! Turn on SummerSlam '95 right now. Yeah. yeah. Alright guys, we will we will be back next week with uh, episode what will be next week? Episode 69 of Top Rope Nation I believe episode 69 of Top Rope Nation next week and uh, we'll have another classic show coming at you on Patreon very soon so on that note, we hope you guys have a great weekend and enjoy whatever pro wrestling you enjoy, there's a lot of it out there Love this sport Talk to you later